and we are ready to roll. Yeah, it's here. Okay. So we're going to start with Igeres HaKodesh Chof Hei. Now, one of the things that's very clear as you as we get into this is that he is defending a position, a teaching of the Balsham HaKodesh that's printed in there's a sefer called Tzavos Harivash. This is the sefer called Tzavos Harivash. It's obviously one of the earliest printed svarim from the um, like a likut of both Maimarim from the Balshamar Kodesh and from the Mittler Rebbe. And it was printed clearly before the uh, this le- this Igeris that we're about to. Uh, read here. He says as follows: This sefer tzavah is very much. Now, generally, a tzavah is a will, right? So, the sefer was originally titled titled tzavah serivosh, the will of the Balshem Tov, and hanhagis yishores, in a way that a person should conduct himself. Asher nimtza ba'amtachas chasidu prishi ishalikim that was found in the briefcase of the holy man Ribshaya Shahaya Av Bezdin of Yanev. And this is many things that he heard from his Rebbe, the Holy Master, the Balsham Kodesh, and some from the Magad as well. There's also the Kavana of Mikveh, of Rechitza, Bemokah Mikveh from the Arizal, and so on. This was obviously reprinted and reprinted many, many times. And clearly they went bonkers over different things in the Sefer. Okay, so he's just going to take on one of them. That's what this letter is about. Chof Hei is on page Kuf Lamed Chetz, page 275 in the uh, printed pages here. Kuf Lamed Ches. Lahavin Imre Bina, to understand these words of understanding. Mash Isa that which is found in the Sefer that's called the Tzava of Rabbi Yisrael Balsham. Hagam, even though Sheba Emes in truth ain't a so it is not his Tzava. And he gave no such commandment before he passed on. Rak, what is the Sefer? Hem likute imreisev, it is a gathering of sayings. Hatayus is pure words. Shalaktu likute basalikute, they gathered one thing after the next. But, turn the page to 276. The truth is, they were not really, really careful to make the language really sharp and correct. They were not, as we call them in Hebrew, a balshan. A professional of language, and as a result, there are things that could possibly be misleading. But the intent is absolutely true. So I'm going to explain to you this that they're going notes over. I want to clarify the issue for you. We first need to introduce the words of the Gemara that says, Kala kayis, anyone who gets angry, it's as if he serves, worships idols. 
The reason for this is known to any thinking person. The Musafri Musa say this already. Because when a person loses his cool, he clearly loses his faith. Because if he really believed that everything comes from Hashem, he wouldn't be angry at all. Ah, you're going to ask, How could you possibly say something so ridiculous? The guy who cursed him clearly had free choice whether or not to curse him. So what are you saying to me? That this came to me from Hashem? What do you mean? This person is a freely choosing being. Or he strikes him. Or he does financial damage to him. He clearly is culpable both in the hands of man and in the hands of heaven for his terrible choices. So clearly he has free choice. And the same is found in the Sefer HaChinuch. The fact that he did it to that person was clearly decreed so by heaven. Had it not been this guy, it could have been a cat or a mouse or a lion or a dog or some other human being. Right? And not only that. What's more is even during that moment that the person is striking him or cursing him. There's no question what is sustaining the cursor and the and the striker at that moment. Clearly it is the word of Hashem who's giving him life, who's sustaining him at that moment. Like it says by David Amelach that Hashem Omalai Kalel. David Amalek says about Shimi that Hashem told him to curse me. So David Amalek is clearly realizing that it, it is in the hands of Hashem. Where did Hashem tell Shimi to curse him? The fact that Shimi had this thought in his heart, and in his mind, clearly there was a life sustain, a sustaining force that came from Hashem that sustains everything that gave life to Shimi at that moment at the moment that he was saying these horrible things to King David because were it to be that Hashem's spirit would have departed for even one moment from Shimi's spirit clearly Shimi could not have spoken one word had Hashem removed his ability at that moment let's see the parentheses that is as if Hashem literally told him at that moment, curse, as David. Now this is the same only saying from the Baal Shem HaKadosh that's quoted in Tanya. On this post that says in Tehillim in Kufiutes, forever Hashem, your words stand in the heavens. Meaning, and the truth is it's a that the very combinations of letters with which heaven was created 
Let's take for the example the, the statement that Hashem made, let there be a rakia. They continue to stand and they are enclosed and enrobed in the heavens forever to create them and to sustain them. Viloika philosophim, not like the philosopher Shekhaifrim Bajgacha Pratis, who deny divine providence. Umidamim Bidimyoinamakhizim, and they imagine with their crooked, corrupt imaginations. Esmasa Hashem, the actions of Hashem, Isishamayim Baoretz, they compare Hashem, who creates heaven and earth, Lemasa Enishvitakbudisab. They compare it to the actions of a human being. Meaning, they say, just like a silversmith is able to make a vessel, and then, once the vessel is finished, the smith no longer needs to continue to create. Once it leaves the hands of the silversmith, it's able to sustain itself and exist without the silversmith's ongoing sustenance. And even though he takes his hands away, it continues to stand on its own. But these people are so stupid and so blinded that they fail to see the tremendous distinction. The differences between the creations of people and their planning. How could you possibly compare a creation of a human being who took a piece of silver and then formed it into a cup to something which is created out of nothingness? There was a newly a newly created being that's made out of nothing. Rock. What is the after all, what is the only accomplishment that a human being can do? Shemeshana he is able to change the form, the picture, the combination, even if you want to go on to a, a molecular level. So he's able to take things and move them around and, and make them closer, further, whatever it is. But he's dealing with substances that pre-exist his hands, right? Back to the top of Kufla how could you compare that to the creation of something out of nothing? The creation of something out of nothing is a far greater wonder than even the splitting of the sea. Just as, a, just as an example, right? Everybody agrees that the splitting of the sea is an incredible miracle. Well, creating something out of nothing outdoes that many times over. Why? He says, let's analyze Kriyas Yamsim. What is the Torah tells us that Hashem blew the entire night with a tremendous wind. The water split. If that wind were to stop blowing for one moment, those waters would have clearly stopped stacking up as they were, and they would have just crashed down just as they normally did as the water flowed in the Yamsuf. But like Kamukhaim, they would not continue to stand like a wall. 
nonetheless, he says, let's analyze this. This nature, that water flows, it too, that very qualitative nature of the fact that water flows is a creation unto itself. That nature itself is also something novel that is created out of nothing. I'll prove it to you. Because when you have a wall that's not made out of water, but a wall that's made out of stone, it stands all by itself, very pretty, without anybody blowing a wind to make it stand. So, Apella, if you have a wall made out of water, it requires something really strong blowing it to keep it in place. You have a wall made out of stone, it stands very well without a wind. Elamai, the nature of water and the nature of wind are part of the creation of wind and stone that they have different natures, right? You get to take that and compare it in any which way to the creation out of something that comes from nothing. That completely supersedes nature. And is a far greater wonder, much more so than the splitting of the sea. Now, if the splitting of the sea requires a wind to keep it up there, what keeps something in existence, period? Clearly, there must be an ongoing creation that allows something to continue to exist. The Kalvachayrav is something that exists already, and you just want to change its form a little bit so that it should stand there. That requires an ongoing tipul. So how much more so to create something out of nothing that what's making it continue to exist? There must be an ongoing supportive system that allows it to continue to exist. If God forbid Hashem were to take away his creative force from that creation, that Nivra would cease to exist. Therefore, we're forced logically to say the, uh, the, the energy of the doer is in the his creation constantly to give it life and to sustain it what is it that's doing that? it is the word of Hashem in the spirit of his mouth that are in the statements of creation itself with which he created everything in the world so those things are not a one a one time statement that created and then Hashem packed his bags and went to Mexico but it requires an ongoing bria each and every moment. Even when we're dealing with something as tangible as earth, the, the inanimate objects. Chiyusan v'kiyuman udvar Hashem. Their sustenance, their life force is the word of Hashem. Miyud mamaris from the ten statements, hamalavish bein that are contained in them. Umikayman and they sustain them. Liyus doimim to make them into this inanimate object. Viyesh and make them into something mayayin from nothingness. So that v'layachzeru the ayin 
ve'efes mamish that they will not immediately return to nothingness. Kisha hayu as they were before they were created. This is what the Arizal referred to, that even in inanimate objects like rocks, and dirt, and water, there is contained in them a life force and a spiritual living force. I remember hearing from one of the uh, scientists that they've discovered that even in inanimate objects, that if you look at it on the uh, microscopic level, that you will see movement of some whatever components they're made up of, atoms or whatever it is, that there's constant movement there. It's just that up until they had microscopes, they weren't able to see that action. So the prem- first premise he builds, is that creation, I've shared with you this muscle in the past about uh, taking a ball and throwing it upwards. Right? So the ball pre-existed. The person pre-existed. Nonetheless, how long will the ball continue to go up? Depends on the strength of the person that threw it up. Right? If you're really, really strong, you're a major league pitcher, so you throw the ball up, it could stay up for a matter of seconds, 10, 20 seconds, whatever it might be. The minute the energy that's propelling it ceases, it comes crashing down. Bebchin is gravity, right? Now that's already something that existed. And nonetheless, when you just want to change its movement, so to the the moment that that um, power that propelled it ceases to exist, it comes crashing down when you're creating something that didn't even exist, that that clearly requires an ongoing creation to make it and to allow it to continue to exist. Okay. Now, he takes it to step number two. After the period there. It is known to those who know the small letters. That the word of Hashem, we refer to it as the concept of Shechina, Beloshen Chazal. That's how Chazal referred to it. And the Zayr refers to the same concept as Imatato and Maternisa. Ubefrat, especially so, Beresh Parshas Veira. What's up with that? Because the word of Hashem dwells and it is contained and embodied in the various creations to give them their life force, to allow them their existence. The the Kabbalists referred to this concept of Dvar Hashem, sustaining and creating something, the word of Hashem embodied in a physical object, is referred to as Malchus. That's Hashem's um, manifestation in our physical world. Hashem Dvar Melech Shiltoin, this comes from a Pasuk. 
that says the word of the king is his reign. Because that is how a king operates his malchus. He operates his malchus with his speech. There are other reasons why this is referred to as malchus that are known to the Mikubalim. Each world has its manifestation of this concept of Malchus. Now, when we're dealing with the highest world of Atzilus, what's Malchus there? That is the word of Hashem, Hamachaya Umahavin Nishamais Hagdailis. This is the word of Hashem that creates and sustains the great souls. There are individual neshamas throughout history whose neshamas come from the word, world of Atzilus. About whom it says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself blew into his nostrils. Similar to the our forefathers and the prophets, they came to this level by being a literal chariot. They were completely nullified and bottled to Hashem. As we find the concept by Moshe Rabbeinu, where it says. That Chazal tell us the Shechina spoke from the throat of Moshe. Moshe was so nullified, talking to Baruch Hu, that the Shechina spoke from his mouth. So too, we find similarly by other prophets and other people who attained this level of Ruach Hakodesh. Hayakoyel v'dibur ha'elyon. The same concept applied by other prophets and by other Baliruch HaKadosh, that it was literally the word of Hashem emanating from their mouths. The Moranayim, when they brought into him the folios of his Divrei Torah, because they wanted to print them, he took out any Divrei Torah that he remembered saying and wouldn't allow them to print it. The only thing that's printed in Maranaim are the Divriter that he had no recollection of ever saying. Meaning that it wasn't his, he wasn't the one doing the talk. Okay. So that is Malchus Datsilus that refers to these exalted Nishamas. Let's take it further. O Malchus Debriya. What's in the next world of Malchus? This refers to notice in the Oyel he did not talk about angels. Here in Bria, he already speaks about the souls of the angels and Nishamis of Tzadikim that come from the world of Bria. Their level is categorically not on the same level of those of Malchus Atzilus, O Malchus and in our world, the Malchus of Asiya is the word of Hashem that sustains the rocks and the stones and the trees and the water and until all the way down to dirt and the water that is beneath the earth.
Now, Ella, he says, I want to add one caveat. Shabbat Shalom. When we're in the nations, in the lands of the idolatrous nations, in contrast to Eretz Yisrael, it has to go through an agency, which are the 70, these are the generals, the heavenly beings that are in charge of these 70 nations. That is to say, First it comes, there's a spark that comes from the word of Hashem, which we've just referred to as Malchus of Asiyo, and that is transmitted to these agents above, Bibchinis Makif Milamaila, and a hovering form above. It is not through them, meaning literally into them, but through their agency. They are given ownership over this illumination. From these 70 ministers, they are given, this life force are given to the nations that are idolatrous. To the animals, to the birds, to the wild animals that are in those countries. And even to the earth itself, and to the skies above the land, but he adds, when we're dealing with heaven and earth, which are permissible, and kosher animals, and kosher wild animals, or kosher birds. Nishpoim miklipas noiga. This goes back to the earliest program in Tanya. They get their life source from noiga v'atameim v'nafshas avedus gedulim and the non-kosher animals and the souls of the idolaters themselves. Mishar klipas they come from the other three klipas. Now, v'ine shemayim v'aretz. The heaven and earth and everything contained in them in the idolatrous lands. He says, if you want to compare the things that are being sustained by, clearly you can't compare them in any which way to the the heavenly ministers that are sustaining them. Those heavenly ministers are far greater and far more powerful than the um, distributions that they're making, right? But although it's true that the clump of earth in Ireland is nothing compared to the Irish minister in heaven, the Irish minister in heaven is nothing compared to the chius that comes from Hashem to sustain the Irish minister above. And nonetheless, this life force that comes through them to the world, 
from this illumination that comes from Hashem, who is Golus Bitaichal. They are in exile when they are still in their hands. Shadakhani Kram Bishem the Kimacherim. Interesting, he refers to it as the Kimacherim, not the Himacherim. They call them, they they worship these things, right? The Ramam explains that this is how Avedazara started. Right? That they, they started worshipping the intermediaries. Right? So they call them the God of the gods. Right? They, they, this is how it all started. Because they do have a job. They do have a function for the Goyim. They started worshipping them because for them they have godly powers. Those Goyim who are sustained by them they are going to continue to be idolatrous until the time that Mashiach reveals himself when death will be banished. And the other Klippas are going to disappear. And then the Pesach says that even the nations are going to come back up to the top of Kuf Mem. Everybody at that moment is going to realize that everything that was going on was just an agency. And that really they played no real role other than a distribution. And therefore everybody's going to go back to the source. This process of working through the intermediaries is the concept of the Shechina in Golos. Why am I saying that? Because the truth is that the very life force the energy that they are distributing, who's giving them that power? Who's dishing it out to them? It's all coming from the Rabbi Shalalim. So their distribution arm is Golus HaShchina. It's the Shchina, the energy of the Shchina in the hands of other agents. Right? And Hashem designed it so that they are, they are the ones who have it. Interestingly, he throws into the mixture here. Vigaluzeh, the parentheses, Nimshach Mechait Eitzadas. The fact that there are other agents is the result of the sin of the eating of the tree of knowledge. Ve'elech. Vuhubchinis Achurayim Levad. This is a result of what Hashem cast them, He gave it to them backhandedly. Digdusha. It's only like the backside of Kedusha. When Kla Yisrael went into Golos among the nations. When Kla Yisrael is in favor with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, He Golos Shlema. There, the Shechina operates directly with them in Golos. There, the, the Shechina is in Golos with them. He's serving, Kaviyoch Hashem is servicing them even in Golos itself. Even though we know that the Rebbeinu Shalaylam is one, and his name is one. Da'inu. Diburai v'ruach piv ha'mechuneh b'zayar kodesh b'shem Shemai. Hashem's utterances and 
his speech, which is referred to in the Zerah Kodesh as his shame. The shame Hashem is his speech. Who yachid and they are inseparable from HaKadosh Baruch. Aval Pikein, despite that inseparability, we need to understand that although it remains unified from Hashem's vantage point, but when it breaks down into this world, it is split up into four categories. But the distinction between them, who machmas tzimtzumim u mesachim rabim litzamtzem ha'or v'achios ulastiray. The distinction between a world of atzilus and a world of bria and a world of yitzir and yitzir all has to do with the number of filters that are filtering the brilliance, the purity of that energy coming into that world. There is a lesser level of illumination in the world of Bria than there, were, than there is in the world of Atzilus. And so too, continuing downward, there is less in Yitzir than there is in Bria. But none of that affects the purity, the essence of the Shekhinah, which is the word of Hashem. We need to understand that the word of HaKadosh Baruch who splits through all of the barriers it is the same word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that breaks through every one of those barriers what he wants us to understand is that the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that's sustaining the clump of dearth of earth is the same word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is sustaining the nefesh of the tzaddik in the, the world of Atzilus. It's just that there are greater filters that, all, that prevent our eyes from being able to perceive that, uh, that brilliance, that purity. Now, mm-hmm. all right, we will take it up from here, Amit Hashem, next week. What's the controversial from part? Vihine. Um. Well, the, the the controversial part is going to come down where he, where he talks about the fact that 